Doctors take Field of Greens for their own health. Here's Dr. Ryan Green to explain. We're like you, too much fast food and not enough exercise. That's why I take Field of Greens. The fruits and vegetables in Field of Greens support my heart, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism for weight loss. And Field of Greens promises your doctor will notice your improved health or your money back. Get 15% off with promo code HEALTH at fieldofgreens.com. That's promo code HEALTH at fieldofgreens.com. Product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. What else with Corey Mann on the Studio DNA Podcast Network? One on one conversations with some of your favorite artists. Find this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Spreaker.com. What else with Corey Mann on the Studio DNA Podcast Network? Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, a podcast that has had a host named Milton this whole time. It's Sifpa. Welcome to Sif Pop Weekly, streaming live most weekends are available to download later in your podcast feed. Unless, of course, you're a patron. Patrons get perks. Patrons get those perks. Bird. I'm your host, Aaron Dicer, and he's got the music and I've got the lyrics. It's Andrew Ormsby, ladies and gentlemen. Ahoy! Each week we'll chat about movies, television, and whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our minds. And please welcome our guest this week. We love her accent because we don't got none. It's Alice Ginevra Michelli. <laughs> good day, good day, good day. Good day to you as well. Uh, I apologize right off the bat, Alice. I went mm-hmm. brain blank on the pronunciation of your last name and went with Michelli. Please tell me I was at least close. It's McKelly. I knew it. I knew it. Stupid brain. Stupid brain. I'll forgive you because at least you didn't go Michelle, which oh, is yes. the normal default. Yeah, so yeah. you know, you, you halfway, halfway, fifty percent. I'll give you a give you a solid fifty. Listen, I can tell you what my brain was. My brain was like, no, it's McKelly. It's McKelly. You know, it's McKelly. And then there was just that little part inside of you that's like, don't trust yourself. You don't. You don't know anything. Don't trust yourself. <laughs> Say it the other way. Say it the other way. Anyhow. Well, I'm glad that you listen to the voice in your head that tells you not to trust yourself. That's a great. <laughs> that should say something, right? <laughs> yeah, that should say something. Well, we are excited to be hanging out with you uh, both for the live video show, uh, which, by the way, if you're listening to this on the podcast, you are always free to join us uh, live on the weekend as we record it. Uh, stay tuned uh, to my uh, Twitter for notifications on when that's happening and when that will go live. Uh, and if you're joining us on the podcast, thank you for that as well. We've got uh, a show this morning. Um, I should say this afternoon. This morning for Alice, this afternoon for us, uh, or tomorrow morning for Alice. 
Uh, we are going to talk. Future. <laughs> That's right. He's a future person. We are going to talk about uh, the Suicide Squad out on HBO Max and in theaters, and Vivo out on Netflix um, this past week. So, so yeah, we're going to talk about that. We're going to do a best ever challenge. Uh, Michael Rooker showing up in both of these movies, and so we're going to do best ever Michael Rooker films. Uh, this is my new goal each week is to find something that ties the movies together and this week it was uh, michael rooker uh so we'll be doing that and then of course we'll have our uh buried treasure as well uh if you guys are ready we'll just go ahead and get right into it let's talk a little bit about the suicide squad robert dubois He's in prison for putting superman in the icu with a kryptonite bullet i'm not joining your suicide squad We'll see. My court date is coming up. And Miss Waller said maybe you could help me out. You're stretching in my door! Everyone stand down. Miss Waller, I don't- Stand down! I wouldn't take such extreme measures if this mission weren't more important than you could possibly imagine. Are you in or out? Good. Let's meet your team. Supervillains Harley Quinn, Bloodsport, Peacemaker, and a collection of nutty cons at Bell Reeve Prison join the super secret, super, super shady Task Force X as they are dropped off at the remote enemy infused island of Corto Maltese. Uh, this is, as mentioned, on HBO Max. It is also in theaters. Uh, this is a very, very uh, well talked about uh, sequel reboot. Thing to the original <laughs> seek boot uh, to the original maligned but Oscar winning Suicide Squad uh, from David yeah. Ayer. Uh, and really, at the end of the day, that will determine which movie is better. Is you know which one wins the most Oscars? Uh, stars John Cena as Peacemaker. Margot Robbie is back as Holly bum, Quinn. Bum, bum. Um, you've got people like Pete Davidson, Sylvester Stallone. Uh, Nathan Fillion, Joel Kinnaman, Taika Waititi, we mentioned Michael Rooker, uh, Idris Elba as Bloodsport, and many, many others uh, joining and doing their part in the Suicide Squad. What did you guys think? Uh, did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay, Alice? Okay, well, I need to give some context first as to what headspace I was in when I was watching this. So for those of you who don't know, uh, Melbourne, Australia, where I live, is currently in lockdown, number six. Um, Thanks, Delta variant. And um, so basically, as a result, when it got announced, I had three and a half hours to get to a cinema, watch the movie and get back home before lockdown was in place. Oh, wow. (laughs) Which I did successfully because basically we found out at 4.30 in the afternoon and it was going to go into effect at, sorry, at eight o'clock. So I had a little bit, sorry. Yeah. Three and a half hours. Um, and I did, I found a 5.15 session, me and my partner got in an Uber, like scheduled it, got in the Uber, made it there just in time. And then I, you know, uh, I don't know if this is going to be, I, I'm sure it'll be a, a one more thing, uh, Andrew, but we didn't stay for the post credit scenes cause it was 7.35 <laughs> and we had 25 minutes to get home. Oh, wow. So yeah, which we did, which is all good. So good that was my headspace. And so as a result, there was a lot going on. And I am tempted to say I loved it, but I'm I'm not ready to commit there yet. So I'm just okay. going to say I re- high side of really liked it. High side of really liked it. Possibly able to talk yourself into loving it as we have this conversation yeah. is what it sounds like. Uh, Andrew, what about you? 
I'm going to also go with high side of really liked it. Very close to loving it, but there are a few things that I can't forgive is the wrong word, but there are a few things I can't forgive or get over to keep me from saying I loved it. Okay. Um, well, I'm definitely not going first. Uh, I am debating between uh, high side of didn't liked it and low side of it was just okay. Uh, I'm landing in the... I'm landing in didn't liked it. And by the end of this, I may have talked myself into just like didn't liked it, didn't like it. Um, I So I'm not the one to start here. So uh, you two sounds like you're pretty much on the same page. Uh, Alice needs a little more convincing. Andrew, so why don't you start? What are some of the things you loved about this movie? For one, this movie understood compared to, and I think this is what a lot of people do whenever they, uh, whenever this movie was coming out. How is it going to compare to the other Suicide Squad movies? Sure, you know it's natural. It's so normal. yeah, yeah, this is so much better than the other one. I'll just say that, obviously. Uh, but this one, low bar, and, lowest bar of all low bars. <laughs> it is a low bar. Yeah, but it, it understood the tone. Of, you know, the Suicide Squad and uh, what makes the Suicide Squad, you know, a group of villains that you want to root for. It understands what is it, uh, what makes that happen. And I think having James Gunn at the helm, he knows A, how to do great team team movies like that. And B, he knows how to do crazy movies, too. So I think that he was just the perfect fit for this. A lot of people are saying that they were don't if they don't know if this is a sequel or a reboot. I'm saying this is a straight up sequel. It has I'm to saying be this is right. A, it's the same it's cast. A straight up, yeah. Yeah. James Gunn it's, said it's not. Yeah, well, I know, but it doesn't matter what he him. said. Viola Davis yes. is this, playing the same character. Like it has to be. Yeah. You know? I mean, and I so agree. I'm just saying. Yeah. I read the trivia point, yeah. and I was yeah. like. <laughs> then why'd you cast the same people? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. He can say all he wants, but whenever you have Viola Davis, Margot Robbie. And Margot Robbie, And, uh, yeah. and uh, what's his name? Uh, Trevor. Uh, I forget his name. But yeah, he. Uh, you have like four people in this movie who are also in the other Suicide Squad movie. So, yeah. Do you mean yeah. Jack It doesn't matter Courtney? what you say. Trevor? Yeah. <laughs> well, no. Uh, Jai Courtney also, but. Uh, You're talking about Joel Kinnaman, I think. Joel Kinnaman. There yeah, we yeah, go. Yeah. Rick Flagg. Thanks, Brain. No, Trevor. You know. Yeah, Trevor's close enough to Joel. Don't, tr- yeah, don't yeah. trust your brain. Actually do. I don't know. Maybe don't. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. But you have like four or five people, you know. At that mm. point, it doesn't matter what you say. So, yeah. yeah that's it's it, A lot of the movie, whether you like it or not, rests on the shoulders of James Gunn. And I think he mm-hmm. did a great job. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Alice? What are some thoughts? Yeah, I agree. First of all, I will say that I really loved the opening i won't say anything more about why but you guys will know what i'm talking about and i think what it does is it perfectly sets the tone for the movie you know once you've gotten through that first bit you're like okay okay i know what i'm in for all right and then you can just settle in and enjoy the ride and that's what my experience was um i will say i also really enjoyed just the performances. I think everyone was just having a great time and you could tell, and that made me have a great time. Like, and, and I, I did also note, you know, I read that um, James Gunn specifically chose these characters because they were kind of like 
back issue villains of the DC, you know, universe. And not many people would know who they are. And he also, in line with that, got a lot of character actors that like, you know, a lot of, oh, that face sort of people, Mm -hmm. Um, which I also really enjoyed because I definitely had that, especially uh, the guy who played the the poker dot villain. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I I was like, oh, he's the guy from like Ant-Man and Dark Knight and he's always there, but you never know who he is. Um, So that Mm -hmm. was something I really enjoyed as a like little, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, throughout the movie as well. Um, But yeah, character performances and the opening, which I'll also say very violent. Like the movie's very violent. And if you don't like very violent- Yeah. Well, when I saw that, when I saw it was rated R18 plus in Australia, because um, for those of you who don't know, in Australia, often when Americans have movies that are rated R, they're not rated R here. They're rated what we call MA15 plus. Um, So it's rare for something to get an R18 plus uh, rating here unless it's like a horror movie. So when I saw that, I was like, really? And then then the opening happened and I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. Neither of you guys really talked about some of the stuff I thought uh, you, you might, and we still can, obviously. So I'll bring up some of the things that I understand why people love this movie for. Um, you did mention the performances. I do think that is one of them. Uh, sense of humor is another one. James Gunn is a really mm-hmm. funny. Yeah. Like he he really gets timing. He gets under. He understands why humor works, how it plays out. Um, he understands how humor relates to character development, which is really important. Um, so yeah, there's you know it's obviously this is obviously a very technically proficient movie. Like it's it's a movie yeah. that understands. How to engage you? the The cinematography is actually really impressive here. There's some incredible shots, some some really creative choices. And if I were if I were to enjoy this movie, or if I were loving this movie, I think the main reason it would have been would have been the creativity. I think there's some some really creative ways that Gunn is choosing to not only shoot but choosing to uh, use the characters, use the powers. Um, you know, you can tell, uh, you can tell he, he really, he writing group, whatever, uh, actors, uh, you know, sat down together and were like, okay, this is who this character is, you know, in those back pages, like you mentioned of DC, uh, you know, uh, haven't had a lot of spotlight villains. How can we use that in a way that's interesting and engaging and, um, and pretty much down the line. He does. Um, you know, every character in this movie is, you know, has random powers, strange powers, whatever they might be. There was a lot of thought given to how those powers would play out in what situations uh, and what they would look like. So, so yeah, I think there's like I totally get why I'm in the minority on this. Like, it's one of those movies where um, it's almost like uh, I have some regrettable news. I didn't love this movie that you all love and I understand why you love it. Like it's one of those things where I feel terrible. It's just like, you know, I have my own perspective. I have my own stuff and we'll get in, get into that, you know, at some point, but I don't want to, I don't want to shut the love fest down because I know I'm in the minority for one. And I know people are really loving this movie and I don't want to, you know, harsh that for others. Right. Like I don't want, I don't want to be, uh, feel like it's my job to tell everybody why this movie you love is not great. Like that's not that's not my goal. Hey, you're wrong. You know? <laughs> yeah, and, but that's a very natural human de- tendency, right? Like there's this human tendency, yeah. and I think you see it in toxic fan culture and 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 wherever where when I think you, you don't just mean fan culture. <laughs> Fair enough. I do think there's a distinguish 
there's there's some distinguishing features between fan culture and toxic fan Those culture. Those lines are blurring. They they do they do blur, especially with social media and the internet. It, it, social media and the internet brings out what I'm about to talk about, which is these this human instinct to want people to hear your perspective and understand it the way you understand it. It's just normal human behavior. So when everybody's going, this movie is great, and you're like, but I didn't like it. Like there's this there's this real instinct to be like. You're all wrong, you know, pay attention to this. And and I, I don't want to do that because I, I love it when people love stuff. And so I'm, I'm excited that you guys do. So having said that, uh, any other things you want to talk about that uh, that you really enjoyed about the film? I want well, to talk about one... John Cena real quick because I sure. know, Aaron, yeah. you've had a love-hate relationship with John Cena over the years. It's mostly, I'll clarify this, uh, it's... It's not love hate as much as it is. I I, I don't think his skill set is where he he wants it to be. And what I mean by that is, I think he is he is very very good in very particular places like this one. This is perfect for him. And I think he I think he wants to do more than this. And that's great. Go for it. Do it. Live your dream. But I think this is, you know, this is where he is going to be the best used in in something like this, um, where it can really take advantage of um, kind of that, you know, uh, clueless persona that he puts on. Like it's it's really fun and really interesting. So, um, so I think I think he's perfect for this character, or at least plays it perfectly, mm. in my opinion. Well, something I wanted to touch on is that I think the chemistry between the characters, like if you want to talk improvements on the first, I feel the chemistry was so much more there than it was in the first one. But not only that, like in my opinion, it's a much more believable development of their camaraderie. Because I feel like because the first one just kind of takes place and, and then all of a sudden they like love each other and you're just like, but like literally... 20 minutes ago you hated each other and this is all taking place in almost just one night well this one there are moments that it it allows the characters moments to actually develop themselves and and develop each other in terms of relationships and um you know the way they work and making it believable that they are a team or enough of a team you know at the end for you know when there is the big climax um and so i was more on board with this group and the way that they work together than I was in the first one, which also allowed for all the comedy moments. Like, you know, speaking of John Cena, like I, I really enjoyed the, I mean, I don't know if it's repartee because this is, it's not made for characters, but I, I enjoyed the back and forth between Idris Elba's character and John Cena's character throughout mm-hmm. the movie about like, especially there's one scene in particular that I'm sure you guys know what I'm talking about when they're, let's say, um, showing off for each other. Mm-hmm. And it's my favorite that's part of the movie. A, it's just such a really it's such a fun moment and you're just like i believe that they would do that you know and then it also allows for when there are conflicts between the characters later on you can like i understand it because i feel the same way and so that's what i enjoy and and that's what i think also james gunn does well is that he does he's good at creating a bond between characters um so that's definitely something i wanted to to touch on yeah yeah are There's we ready? one thing. No. <laughs> okay, not yet. Okay. There's, 
uh, I, I, I want to talk about Sylvester Stallone's portrayal as yes. King Shark because yes. I think it's. We I didn't even know it was so, him until afterwards. It's kind like, of uh, that. It's kind of that Vin Diesel Groot thing, right? Where you're like, yeah. oh yeah, uh-huh, I but hear it there's now. more of a personality to King Shark than Groot that you. No, can I just really mean access. where you don't you don't realize who the. But the I know actor what you're saying. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, no, that's no. Vin Diesel. Oh, yeah. that's Sylvester Stallone. Oh my gosh. He's so funny. He's so funny and yeah. so adorable too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't think so, but yeah, yeah. There, there's been a lot of iterations of King Shark over the years, and his personality actually. There's even a a version of King Shark where he's like a Groot in a way, where as a where Groot says, "I am Groot." There's a version of King Shark where all he says is, "King Shark is a shark." Mm-hmm. That's all he says, <laughs> you know. Um, and then there's like uh, the Flash, where you know he's like a fully sentient, you know, speaking. Mm-hmm. You know, I think this might be the best iteration of King Shark I've ever seen. I think that this, you know, this adorable creature who wants to, you know, fit in really badly, but if he needs to, he can turn on a switch and become Bruce from Jaws. You know, <laughs> he can turn into this horrifying killing machine. But at the same time, I think that he has the most emotion without having with having the least character development. Because they don't really... All they say is, hey, he's a big shark man. You know, that's all they... they is. There's not yeah. like a, a character... or is, He's just a big shark man. You know, you don't need much more than that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, but I, I, I feel that's... like that's a lot of a lot of the characters. Like they don't really, you know, and I think also just the plot in general. Like they don't really spend a lot of time explaining you the reasoning behind it. It's just like, yeah, this is what's happening. Go with it or don't go with it. That's that's your choice. <laughs> so, you know, uh, yeah. Gunn is really good at that efficiency, right? He's really good at, at character building efficiency, where he understands what the audience needs to know, what they don't need to know. You know, what's important for you know the audience to be into what he's presenting and not so yeah he's he understands that stuff uh really really well so yeah Uh, the uh, last thing i want to talk about before aaron can unload on his (laughs) it's not much of an unloading no i know i'm just giving you a hard time but uh something that gun i don't know if gun wrote this or if he just did he write the, he did I think write he this did, okay yeah. he did something that gun understood that david ayer didn't in the other suicide squad movie well let's is, just be, let's just be clear air has made it very clear that the movie that came out was not something that he so like who didn't understand what is probably up for grabs but at least that movie enough. didn't understand it yeah mm. yeah okay okay fine but uh <laughs> from okay Let's just go with hy- hypothetically mm-hmm. something that James Gunn understood that David Ayer's movie didn't portray. Let's right. Say, sure. Is what makes the Suicide Squad work? Because if you think about it on an on a level of like a comic book fan, you have seen each of these characters be the antagonist to all of your favorite heroes ever. How do I get my audience to root for the villains now? Mm-hmm. Simple. You need to have another antagonistic element to this movie that really shows you, oh, so this is what true evil could be. And that's Amanda Waller. Because she represents not only evil, she represents the establishment and something that all of these characters that you will ever see in the Suicide Squad have that she doesn't 
is a personality or emotion. You know, they feel. You know, their version of emotions and feelings might be twisted and definitely not the norm. But Amanda Waller is cold and heartless and ruthless. And that is something I think is even more terrifying than like a Joker or a, a Scarecrow or a Bizarro or a Lex Luthor, you know. Because mm-hmm. each of those characters has a motivation and a goal. They have ambition or they they feel, you know, they get angry and stuff. Amanda Waller is kind of like a shell. And that's way eerier and creepier. And I think that mm-hmm. James Gunn's version of the Suicide Squad, if you want to call it that, really understood what Amanda Waller needed to be. And you see that not only in her, but the people she works with, how they react to her. They're like, ooh, okay, she is not what I thought she was. She is horrifying. And Mm -hmm. I think Mm. that that is really great because... It allows you to care and root and hope that the Suicide Squad makes it out. Because you're like, oh, you got to get Waller. Oh, you got to get Waller. She's mm-hmm. horrible. Yeah, and then you yeah, can go well, back she, to fighting she, Batman. Yeah, but I think it's also that like she's very, you know, going off what you said, very one-dimensional. But that's what she needs to be. While the others, while they are villains, like there is... I mean, maybe not good reasons, but there's reasons for it. They have dimension behind them. They're complex characters. While she doesn't have motivation, she is just, like, she doesn't really care if what she's doing is for the good or for the bad. It's just in the interest of the government which she serves. That's that's entirely it. And that's the point she says. While all the characters, like, yeah, sure, maybe, you know, this is in the trailer, so it's not a spoiler, but, like, when Idris Elba character, he put Superman in the ICU with a kryptonite bullet, but it's like... You know, you can. He also was horrifically sort of tortured growing up by his father, and like you understand why someone would become like that. And he has dimension to his character, it makes you root for him because humanity is like that. People aren't black and white, you know. While Amanda Waller is almost entirely black, you could say, in terms of her character's motivations, um, the good guys in this, or even in, in reality, good guys aren't just good guys, no one's entirely, you know, a white knight, they're just. People trying to do what they think is right, trying to do what they think will serve them in the best way. And that's why these characters work well, because they do replicate kind of what we as humans feel. And that is just trying, like going along with all the ickiness of your past, all the crate, all the stuff that's happened to you and having to try and just push forward and and do something that will make your life better in whatever way that is. Um, which is why I think it's also really great. Also want to touch on that. I also think James Gunn does the cute character really well because Sebastian, the rat is the cutest thing in the world. And (laughs) I want one. And it's like Ratatouille for the modern age because it once again shows rats can be adorable. Yeah, it really is kind of a ratatouille thing uh, going on with that character for sure um, in many ways. Uh, well, I suppose it's about time. Um, so I've been thinking, I've been thinking a lot over the last couple of days of why I didn't enjoy this movie, why I had a bad experience, all those kind of things. At first, I thought it was my typical thing. I thought it was my typical who do I root for? What am I attached to? Why do I care? I don't think that's exactly it. I think that's a. I think there there are, there are choices made that play into that um, tendency of mine, 
But I don't think that's exactly it. Because like you said, there is an effort here to give you something to root for. Humanize these characters in some way. Alice, I think you said it very well. Although it's not for all of them. It's really for mm. three of them. I think there's three of them that they do a good job with, um, you know... I, if if you want to count King Shark just because he's adorable, you can. Uh, but I but the movie doesn't really do much, you know, uh, on that account. You know, he's he's dumb and adorable, so we give him a pass, maybe. Um, but uh, but there are three characters that the the movie takes, I think, great pains to go. Okay, there's a reason they're like this, uh, and what they're doing is the greater good than what Waller wants them to do. At least by the end, no spoilers. Uh, and so I don't think it's completely that. I think what it comes down to is I think James Gunn, uh, James Gunn's tendencies need to be reined in. I think that this movie mm. suffers, actually, mm -mm. from letting him completely go all out. And when I say that, I mean specifically in the gleeful, grotesque violence. It's not just that it's violent. It's excited to be violent. No, that's fine. I totally give this. No, listen, this is tough for me because I totally understand what you're saying. But there are few things that bother me more than the idea of playing to human nature and the idea that the answer is blowing someone's face off. That is, that is I know this is a comedy. I totally get all that stuff. But at the end of the day... Uh, it's it's one of those things that doesn't sit right with me, and so there's this there's this element of, um, you know, why why does it need that? Why does it need why does it need the grotesqueness? Why can't it just have the consequences? You know, uh, be that you know lives are ending, and the answer is this because it impacts us. The answer is because it does something to us, and what this movie says it does is it gets us going. Like that's exciting. That's cool. Oh, did you see what that face did? Like there's this real I just I don't know. It picks at me. It's just like this thing that's like, man, that's playing to like our worst tendencies, like our worst natures. Um, you know, but I I think, I think it also I think it also serves the purpose of immediately letting you know that these guys are bad guys, right? A superhero well, this is what I'm would saying. not blow someone's face off. Like, well, this is, you'd hope they wouldn't. But this like, is what I'm saying, a villain, though. yeah, they won't the care. And that's like why they exist is because they don't care. They get the job done. They'll, you know, chop your skull off if that's what needs to be done. And, um, this, and this is what I'm saying plays into the idea of who do I root for. So everything you do with the Storm Reed character, the daughter character, all that stuff is so hollow to me. Because the rest of the movie has been about being gleeful about, you know, violent. Like, it just, to me, if you rein that in just a little bit, if you just, because there's there's a real thing well, that happens Tarantino with human. Tarantino does the same thing. Well, and, and I, I hate it when Tarantino it. does it, too. Like, this is not <laughs> this is not news, right? Like, th my favorite Tarantino movie is the, the one that, you know, uh, has a lot of uh, positivity throughout it. Yes, it has some violence, you know, in the, the final uh, confrontation or whatever. Um, okay, but what's your second favorite movie? <laughs> it's Inglorious Bastards. It's Inglorious Bastards. Yeah, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah. Which is right on the same level as this, as far as except you, know, you have, but except except in both of those movies, you have very clear. You know, this is why the violence is supposed to be satisfying to you because I'm changing history and I'm having the actual bad guys. You know 
be destroyed as opposed to the both of those movies are revisionist history movies. This is a movie about villains, you know, um, who are trying to we're trying I to mean, root this for is technically whatever. revisionist history. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let me just let every, me just every movie is revisionist. Every movie is revisionist history if you try hard enough. <laughs> I, I know I know I am probably well this is this is a loaded word. I'm gonna say it this way. You don't need to correct me, I get it. I know I'm wrong on this. Like I get I get that I'm in the, let's just say in the minority on this or whatever. But that doesn't change that that it's how I experience it, right? Like it doesn't change that the, wh- where I wanted to go with it is I think there is something we can do with storytelling. And uh boy, I did not expect emotion right here. I apologize. There's something we can do with storytelling. That brings out the best in people. Like, there's an empathy, right? Like, there's there's a thing that Roger Ebert said that I always go back to that is, films are a machine for empathy, right? They're this miraculous machine where we get to experience other lives, and there are real ways to, to do that, right? And then there are ways to take the human experience and pervert it, right? There are ways to take the human experience and go, these worst parts of us, let's just have fun with that, right? Um, you know, and that's... And there's... I don't know if I would call it like gornography, you know, like the idea of like taking gore to the place where it's like so extreme and over the top because it's titillating. Right. And I just I just for me, if you dial that back to a place and I'm not, I'm not trying to be, you know, killjoy, you know, uptight guy, whatever. Like, uh, you know, there are certainly very violent movies that I love. You're not wrong, Andrew. There are very violent movies that I love. It's just in a situation like this, if it could just be dialed back. Just a tad, like, you know, put the reins on just a little bit. You can still have the same experience just without playing to the joy of destruction of like humans' bodies and blood and bone. And I don't know. There's just, there's, there's something off putting about it for me. And I, I, I do apologize for the emotion. I wasn't planning. I thought maybe yeah, I'm I get supposed a, to make fun of you <laughs> now. No, no, I know. I was you like, totally I was going to rebut. Now I can't. You can. Yeah. You can make fun of me. You can rebut. All that is fair play. Just because my emotions did something doesn't take that off the table. And again, I know I'm in the minority on this, but there, there is this thing sometimes when I'm watching movies like this that that seem to revel in the gore that I just go, man, that's. That's just hard for me. And in turn, it affects the way I see the rest of the movie. So, so yes. Go ahead. Make fun. Rebut. You know, I'm good. No. Yeah. I'll say this. Uh, and I know we're really getting to deep emotional stuff here. No, no, no. You're good. I'm, but... I'm, I'm past it, he says, as he starts to No, no, to but I, I'm going there now. I'm going there okay. now. So, having seen this movie, it doesn't affect me from the way real stuff does because I saw something it's not real. recent. Yeah. yeah. I'll just say I saw something recently that was real and mm-hmm. it was on kind of like the same level as like what you see here, you know, in this movie that, that reality of what I saw uh, a, a little bit ago impacted me so much and left a mark on me. But for some reason, whenever I see movies like this, you know, where you know, for some people it would be like a PTSD, like a callback to like sure. a mm. traumatic thing. Mm-hmm. It, for me, it doesn't hit me on the same level because I know that there's a separation from reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and I've but I some- understand what you're saying. I understand what you're saying that you know, the glorification and the 
the ability to take joy from seeing stuff like this is probably not healthy. <laughs> that's it. That's it. I mean, that's it. And I totally understand what you're saying. And for some, I, I've heard others who have talked about being able to produce or view or watch or interact with entertainment like this um, is a healthy way for them. They feel like is a healthy way for them to process real life things they've, they've said and say, okay, I can have a context for this that exists in a world where it doesn't have consequences, right? Um, so, yeah, I, I totally get that, that there, are, there are always different perspectives to these things. What I'm trying to do is two things. Number one, try to communicate as well as I can my experience with the film. And also, if somebody else is built like me, communicate to them, you may have this experience with the film. That's yeah. it. And as said before, I don't want to steal anybody's joy about a movie that they love. And if you're able to compartmentalize and, and do those things, I totally get it. I'm sure I have those those things where I look at something on the screen that you know probably doesn't speak to a healthy place in me, but I'm having a good time with it or whatever. Like I get that that's a normal human thing. Um, you know, just trying to do my best to to communicate my thoughts through that. So we'll- all all of that is one thing that impacts my overall view of the big thing. Um, and so that's probably why I come down and then the didn't like it. I, I need to just in case some people are wondering because uh, we spent a lot of time on it. Yes, this movie's gory. It's not the goriest movie ever made by any stretch. Oh you no, know, it's Eli it's, Roth exists. Yeah. yeah, Eli Roth. I was you stole my you stole my. Bit <laughs> I'm, again. Sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say yeah. You stole, but uh, yeah. I just want to make sure people understand. Oh, because I don't want people to go. Oh, is this more movie really that gory? It's 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 bloody for sure. It's yeah, not if the you're movie if made. you're if you're taking what I said to be less gore because I hate gore, you're not quite. I'm not quite communicating as well as I should be. It's not the gore that I'm trying to talk about. I'm trying to talk the gore's connection to excitement, to glee, yeah, to condition. humor, yeah. to yeah, like the, that's what I'm talking about. That connection that bothers me. The gore itself, yeah. gore can be used really well in movies. Um, and, and Andrew's not not wrong. This isn't the goriest movie ever. It just seems to revel in it in a way that that um, I've, I've said the same thing about Goodfellas. I think Goodfellas has some of this too. You know, like there's there's yeah. a reveling in the violence that that is off putting to me. So hmm. yeah. Any one last thing or f- other things? I I'd say that for me, like just to to give where I kind of stand on this because I. I also I have this very sort of mm, I don't know it's not an opinion but a, a sensibility where like for example um, there is some anime that my partner watches for example there's this anime Berserk which is just I I walked in <laughs> Andrew's nodding he knows what I'm talking <laughs> yeah. about there's a the, the last few episodes like you want to know violence and gore and and like that is just oh, it's horrifying like I walked in on him watching it once and I saw one of the scenes and it is all the trigger words, like all the triggers are in that. And that's drawn. And I think that hits me more because it's like someone took the time to draw all this and animate it. Um, And I don't know why that one really affects me. Like I can't sit down and watch it because it's almost too much Um, because of, I think it's because of the way the story is and the way that it's the way that it's done. But in this case, the reason why I'm okay with it is and and why like I'll admit it why I do enjoy it well I do have fun when someone gets their face blown off and I'm like oh right. yeah you're sure. a bad guy sure. you know because a yeah there is an element of like I can separate like I know that that's just an actor and they're fine and they're probably home with their mm-hmm. family right yeah. now 
you know, eaten some soup. Um, but also there's an element of <laughs> Did you have to use soup? Did you have to use <laughs> oh, yeah. soup? Couldn't uh, have gone with a uh, hamburger. What, no, a, hamburger's bad too. Eating no, just, eating a grilled cheese. There um, you go. That works. That works. <laughs> um, I don't want but a like, cheese now. Yeah. It's too early for a grilled cheese. 7.30 in the morning for me. Um, <laughs> it's never too but, early. <laughs> but then there's an element of escapism to the whole thing where it's like, yeah. I will never, I hope I will never experience something like this in real life. You know, I will never be in a situation where I'm going to have to, you know, mm-hmm. set someone on fire and watch them die and hear their screams. But this is as close to experiencing it at such a high level of reality. Like the everything about it is so fake like the fact that it's set in a superhero ish world you know people don't have powers people like harley quinn if you fell in a vat of chemicals you'd die you wouldn't become an insane you know assassin um and so there's an element of escapism to it which is why i love the movies is this element of escapism and discovering new worlds and living in new worlds with new characters that allows me that you know not glee but the enjoyment of seeing this version of human or character that i can't experience in my own world and so that's why i find it so enticing for this particular type of movie yeah there's you know there's uh i forget who said it but it was um it was in a a, like a national study of pornography or something like that and the the person was asked well how do you know it's pornography and the person says well you just know it when you see it you know like how do you know that was how do you, you know, like, how do you know where that line is? And I think for each of us, you know, we kind of have to figure mm-hmm. that out. I, I would say, you know, you look at sex versus violence and how it's portrayed on screen and how sexless movies are. And there's certainly lots of commentary online about this and, and different things are. And I think it's a fear of going too far with sexually explicit stuff, right? Like, mm-hmm. it, I mean, Please don't, but also I'm trying to make my point here, <laughs> but like the the sexually explicit version of this movie, as violently explicit as it is, like, you know, like there's there's a there's a there are reasons we have lines just for, you know, living in a society and that kind of thing. And so just trying to figure out where those are, it's just interesting that violence is just one, at least in mm. content, that there really are no limits, right? Like there are no lines with what you can do in violence in movies really um so yeah it's just it's i don't know i I find if nothing else i find it fascinating right like if nothing else (laughs) it's an interesting like thought you know process for me to kind of work through that stuff and and try to figure out you know how you know both sex and violence are very natural human parts of who we are how do we process those how do we process those through story you know what does that look like how do we use fiction where it's safe to help us process reality where it can be dangerous, you know, like all that kind of stuff is, is I think valuable conversation. Um, and you know, I, and again, I could really totally be completely in the wrong and just have been, you know, in a weird headspace and, and, um, and so it just, Mm -hmm. it didn't work for me, but, um, but I, listen, I totally get why people love this movie. I really do. Really on do. the sex point, um, some, that's a weird way to start my sentence. <laughs> Great transition. Um, <laughs> no, on that point, like, I actually have to say, as a quick sort of positive within the negatives, I appreciate how the female characters were portrayed in this so much more than how they were portrayed in the first one. Um, because yeah. there isn't that group, you know, I kind of, you know, and you can tell me if I'm completely off base with this, but I often feel that the difference as well with, like, how much sort of sex sex stuff you show versus violent stuff a lot of it also has to do with i 
I tend to find that sexual, like when you go explicit in the sexual nature, it is often at the expense of the female character, while violence is just kind of like anyone can get hit by that, you know, like it's not necessarily as gendered as a sexual thing can be. And this one really just kind of is like, mm-hmm. oh, it has female characters as male characters, but that's not an integral part of it. You know, that's not like right. they're not, for example, the, the, the women aren't shot differently to the men, which I appreciate because that's something that always frustrates me because, you know, someone can be badass. It doesn't really matter, you know, like whether they have an XY chromosome or not. Right. So yeah. that's something I will say, I think it improved as well a lot on the first one. Yeah, I think I think the the male gaze is in film is shifting, and I really do appreciate. It. I'm not saying it's absent by any stretch of no. the imagination, uh, but I do see the same thing you do, uh, which is that it is you know. In, I mean, well, I you know I said the same thing about um, you know Wonder Woman in you know the different movies. You know, you can just see mm. the different ways that she's shot. Same character, same actress, and you know. Um, it's real. It's something that's real, and mm-hmm. it's it's worth talking about. So, yeah, I think that's good. Unless uh, unless Andrew, you wanted to talk about the post credit scene. Uh, I was gonna <laughs> say there's a mid there's a mid credit scene and a post credit scene. There so. is, yeah, both things yeah. do exist. Also, real quick, in terms of um, something else, I think the title is stupid. I don't like the title <laughs> of this movie. You don't I just like because the word it's. The? Real- <laughs> No, it's not even that. It's just I don't think it's enough of a differentiator so that when I'm talking about it, I have to be like, oh, no, like the new one. So there's like Suicide Squad. First of all, I didn't even realize that the first one was called just Suicide Squad. I thought it was just the Suicide Squad. Um, yeah. But it's like when I'm talking about it, I have to then clarify. I'm going to have to clarify every time now. Be like, the no, 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 not, not, Suicide Yeah, the, like because a normal person's not going to be able to understand the di- – like not no. that they're stupid, but it's just like they're not going to know. And so they're going to be like, wait, like the, the one with, um, you know, the fire guy and it's just like, no, 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 the new one, the new one where like, you know, everyone's heads get blown off. And it's just like, <laughs> it's like, how hard would it have been? And I, I read why they did that. And it's because, yeah, this is part of how James Gunn was like, oh, it's not a sequel. It's a reboot. So therefore it can't be Suicide Squad 2 because it's not a sequel. And so I'm just He's like, but full of it. everyone's... Everyone's just going to call it Suicide Squad 2 anyway. Yeah. I came up with a title that I personally think would Do have it. been Tell better. Do it. Tell us. Tell us. I think it should have been called Suicide Squad Clean Slate. There you go. Because I like it. of certain elements in the movie that if we do spoilers, I can talk, in, I can talk about no, it. No, that's but great. It's that like, works on think, like three levels. That works on like three yeah, levels. That's a great right? title. Yeah. Yeah. No, Thank I you. like that but a lot. Yeah, I wanted to share that. <laughs> it shall forevermore. On this podcast, be known as Suicide Squad Suicide colon clean, clean slate. Uh, that is you what gotta we will call colon. it. Got to have the colon. Colons yes, abound. Yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, uh, let's move on to the next review. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Vivo. Nothing would mean more to me than for us to sing together again. So you guys were like a duo. She was also the love of my life. But I never told her how I felt. All my love, I put it into a song. You spent your life making music. Vivo, she must deliver this song to Marta. She needs to know that I love her. Marta, here I come. Vivo, just as explicitly violent as the Suicide Squad, uh, follows <laughs> yes. a one-of-a-kind kinkajou, a.k.a. Rainforest Honey Bear, who spends his days playing music to the crowds in a lively square with his beloved owner, Andres. 
Though they may not speak the same language, Vivo and Andres are the perfect duo through their common love of music, but Vivo will need the help of Gabby, an energetic tween who bounces to the beat of her own offbeat drum to fulfill his destiny. Uh, Vivo is not completely written by Lin-Manuel Miranda, although you probably will hear his impact in the music uh, very profoundly. He did write the music in this. He also is the voice of Vivo. You've got Zoe Saldana, uh, in there as well. Um, Gloria Stefan coming in is Marta and, uh, some other names you might know, including Michael Rooker, uh, what? And, and, uh, Brian Tyree Henry also in this for a little bit too. Uh, I'm curious, what'd you guys think, think of Vivo? Did you like it? Uh, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay. Andrew, start us off. I'm going to go with high side of just Okay. Maybe low side of liked it. I could okay. probably be convinced to go low side of liked it. Uh, what about you, Alice? I would say, yeah, I liked it, but definitely in the like bottom half of liked it. Okay, low side of liked it. Mm. Yeah, I'm I'm probably right in the middle of liked it. Um, you know, there are a lot of there's. I, I think probably I, I like it the most of the three of us. If I'm hearing you guys correctly, because mm. there's a lot about this movie that I do love. Like, there's you know. There are moments the music kicks in and I'm just like, I could listen to Lin-Manuel write songs forever. Like the way he understands rhyme scheme and wordplay and, you know, I just, I just like, I will, I love it when a song I can revel on on multiple levels. Like I could listen to the music and go, oh, I'm enjoying this music. And then I start listening to the lyrics and I'm like, oh, that was really smart. Oh, that was clever. You know, like he's just, he's a really good wordsmith. And so, um... So yeah, there are those moments in this this movie where I was thinking, "Oh, I love this movie," and then there are moments in this movie where I was like, "Okay, well, let's just move it along." <laughs> you know, <laughs> like it's 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 a it it is a it is a movie for me uh, that I do come down on the side of liked it because at the end of the day, I like the overall uh, plot. I like what the message is saying. I like where we go. I like some of the characters. Um, even if it's a little clunky in the execution at times. Um, so I, I had a really good time. Um, what about you guys? Alice, you want to go next? Yeah, I, I think uh, in terms of what I liked, the art style is very unique and like just it's really bright and it's really colorful. And I really enjoyed that. Like I enjoyed the 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 lights and the brightness and the mm-hmm. vivacity to it all. Um, oh, vivo, vivacity. There you there go. You go. Um, I don't even know if that's a word, but <laughs> so I like that. It I, is. I, it I it comes like from the, the uh, it comes from the Latin root for life. Viva. Um, means life. Oh, so, yeah. So there you go. Long I'm live so Las smart. Vegas. I didn't even know. Viva Las Vegas. <laughs> Viva oh, yeah, Las of course. Vegas. Um, but yeah, like I like that. I, I Some of the music took me a second to get into. Like there's the main, um, the, the little girl's song uh, that she starts. At first I was like, okay. But then yeah, as I it went on, I really song. got into it. I had the yeah, same experience. Like, yeah. So I was just like, at first I was like, okay, this is stupid. But then as it went on and like more things got integrated within it, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm enjoying this. All right. I'm having a good time. Which I had is the- what I feel. Yeah. No, I was just going to say about that song, since we're on, on that song, yeah. I had the experience where it was like, oh, this is different. I'm not sure I like mm. this. Oh, this is kind of mm. cool. Oh, this is fun. And then by the time they play it over the end credits, I was like, oh, this is my jam. <laughs> yeah. like, it was kind of one of those songs. Like, it happened that quickly yeah. for me. Anyhow, continue. I think part of, part of no, no, but part of what uh, initially had me holding back on that song was the fact that they rhymed drum with drum. And I was just like, <laughs> well, that's lazy. Yeah. <laughs> but um yeah it was just like i really enjoyed that and and so that's 
actually the experience I had with a lot of the music, like at first I'm like, oh yeah. And then I get got into it, which is kind of also just how I feel about a lot of this movie. Like, I don't want to jump into negatives really quickly um, before we go into anything, but there's a lot, I feel like this movie just felt like it was missing something in a lot of it. Like it was just missing that je ne sais quoi, that magic that Mm. you can get in you know i while i enjoyed this movie i think that there's better versions of it that ex- it that it exist for example you know obviously there's coco and book book of life which are more easily um i would say uh relevant to this movie but then also like over the moon i would say is a very similar sort of th- thematic movie and the way that it tells a story and the way that it plays out but i think it's better and so i just feel like there was something missing that i couldn't get fully into it so yeah yeah andrew what about you I hate every no. Um, <laughs> uh, talking about the music, actually, I find it interesting because comparative to a lot of the other Lin Manuel stuff that's come out recently, which a lot more has come out recently, mainstream as opposed mm-hmm. to just you know Broadway and mm-hmm. stuff like that. I didn't feel the magic in any of the songs as I did in most of the others, besides the song at the very end. Not the one over the credits, but the the very last one that's sung for Mar- uh, Marta. Yeah, part yeah, of Marta. For Marta. Yeah, yeah. Mm. That I thought was very beautiful because of the multiple meanings that that song has. Mm-hmm. Also, something that 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 section of the movie does great is it changes animation style for a little bit, mm. which I thought was great. It worked really well for me. I'm like oh, this movie could have worked in either one of these animation styles. And it just made me realize, you know what? Sony, if they really put their mind to it, could be the next Pixar. Mm -hmm. I mean, we already have Into the Spider-Verse. And now we have mm-hmm. this. Like, they're they got some tricks up their sleeve that, that and the Mitchells the folks versus over the Machines Disney. wasn't that Sony mm-hmm. or am I making was that it up? Sony yeah. too? Uh, oh I, well, I think well, so. Not. I know I know it came out on Netflix, but so did this. So yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. Uh, Sony's got some. I mean, I loved Mitchell versus the Machines. I thought mm. the movie was hilarious. Um, Me too. Yeah, so yeah, Pixar, they better be worried that there's a new uh, there's a new big dog in town that might, you know, if if they play their cards right, could be a contender. Yeah, Dreams, you know, DreamWorks certainly isn't anymore. No, and it, it, it's, it's interesting, though, because Sony does kind of have their own little feel to their movies, right? Like Lord and Miller have yeah. contributed a lot to that. Um, you know, you mentioned Mitchell's versus the Machine, which is Lord and Miller production. Um you know, uh, cloudy with a chance of meat. Cloudy with a chance of meatballs. Was that Sony as well? I believe it was. I could I think be wrong so, about that. Yeah. Any anyhow, my point is, you know, they continue that here um, because yes, there is a Pixar ish element to the story here. I actually thought this story was one of the. You could have shown me this movie and gone, Pixar made this, and I would have gone, yeah, I can see that. You know, like the like the mm, story yeah. is like their. Um, you know, pattern, their their strategy with, you know, how it uses characters, how it uses emotion, how it sets up emotion and story and those kind of things. Um, and believe me, coming, I mean, you should know this coming from me. That's a huge compliment uh, because, you know, I love Pixar so much. But um, but they've also got that sense. They've got their own quirky little sense of humor that's a little different from Pixar's, you know, sense of humor. It's a little more fast paced, a little more, you know, uh, modern edged um, in many ways. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I think that's, that's here as well, but, um, 
But yeah, I think, you know, for me, I think you're right. I think it's beautiful. Uh, I think you're right about, um, you know, there's a different version of this movie that could have been so much better um, if it understood a little bit more of how to get its characters from point A to point B where they wanted to be. Uh, Because the most unfortunate thing about the movie for me, I'll just say this, is it sets up a really powerful emotional moment like a really powerful moment without spoiling anything. It sets it up really well. And it just doesn't quite pay it off as well as it, it should. Like that moment should have been yeah. so good. Mm-hmm. And it was only yeah. good. You know what I mean? Like it, it was. It was good. But it but it should have been like goosebumps. and Because it's all right there. Like the bones of that are just right there. And it just it doesn't quite do what it takes to pay it off in a really powerful way. The, the best way I can describe it is that it made me cry, but it didn't make me sob. You know? Like that's <laughs> sure. sure. Like I was ready and I like I cried, yeah, but I I remember how I felt like again and I hate to compare. It. This is like with Suicide Squad where it's like I hate to compare it to the MCU. Yeah, but um, listen, it's what we do. It. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I hate to compare it to to um Pixar, but like there are moments like in Coco or Inside Out where I couldn't stop crying. Like I, I was just like, this is embarrassing. I, you're in public, Alice. What are you doing? I'm right well, there this with one, you. I, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I was tearing up, and I like, you know, a few tears shed. But it was, I, I, hundred percent agree with what you're saying. Where it's like, it just, it didn't hit. Like it, it could have been the amazing, and it, instead, it was just good. And it mm-hmm. just, as a result, you're just like. It, and I think part of it comes from the fact that it was it didn't allow itself to live in its moments because it's so like because Sony Pictures, like you said, has this very fast p- paced sort of style. And so as a result, it just kind of moves on. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, yes. if you just let yourself live in the moments, yes. live in the character moments, this could have been something really special. And I think where it feels it the most for me is uh, it could have been a really nice uh, one-two switcheroo with the emotion where you know the emotion that's, you know one of the plot emotions that's coming, but I think they're trying to do something, I'm trying not to be spoilery, but um, mm. you know the, you know there's some emotion coming with Marta and, and what's going to happen there. But what you don't realize is, or don't realize as much, is the emotional moment that could come between um, Gabby and Vivo, right? Like there's there's a thing, I think the movie does this really, really well as far as Pixar is concerned, is um, uh, what was, why can't, Onward, right? Like Onward has this thing where you know there's a dad thing coming, but you don't realize the brother thing's coming, and it just like, mm. woof, right? Like this could have figured out how to do that, it just didn't and so the Gabby Vivo stuff almost feels shallow. Like it doesn't feel invested mm. in enough to really get get kind of that turn, that little emotional turn that could have happened there. Yeah. So yeah, yeah almost. Yeah, this movie misses that magical thing for me that is going to make it memorable. Mm-hmm. Like I don't see myself like, oh, do you guys remember Vivo or anything like that? Honestly, in a year from now, somebody would be like. Have you seen Vivo? I'm like, uh, you mean the YouTube, you know, music video thing? And <laughs> that's honestly that's going to be where my mind goes whenever somebody says Vivo. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Anything else? One last thing. Anything else about uh, Vivo before we kind of no post credit scene? Yeah, yeah. No. Um, I, I would say that like I don't know if this is a negative, but 
it's very predictable. Like I, you know, mm-hmm. as the movie started in the first five minutes, I knew exactly what yeah. was going to happen and how it was going to happen. And that's how it played out. But like, that's not the biggest problem in the world because, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, you know what you're getting into, but this is like a fun family movie. It's fine. If you need to entertain your kid for an afternoon, mm-hmm. chuck yeah. it on. It's not going to hurt anyone. Um, but there's just so much. I would recommend before you, Press play on this one. Like like I said, Coco, Book of Life, Over the Moon. Better versions of this movie. Yeah. The thing that those movies have that this one doesn't is the supporting cast always delivers in those movies. Like, I think that in this one, the Girl Scouts or whatever they're called have a couple lines that I think are hilarious. But as, like, I don't know, like, the movie doesn't live with its supporting characters long enough for me to like care about them. It moves mm-hmm. on to a different set of people and I'm like, oh, so I'm supposed to care. Oh, they're gone. Okay, fine. Uh, well, I was <laughs> going to try and care about them, but I guess not. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, it doesn't really, you know, dig its heels in the ground and say, nope, this is who we're sticking with. This group of supporting characters, you're going to love them. Enjoy it. So... You know, I appreciated a couple things about some of the periphery storylines in those periphery characters, but you're right. The movie doesn't invest in them in any way that makes that has any impact when those things happen. Yeah. You know, you think of the I'm just gonna say the lovebirds, right? Like that that yeah. kind of that kind of side. It's just story. a moment. It's just a moment. It it's just doesn't... a moment, and yeah, yeah it's it, and I think if it had spoken to something deeper, something more thematic, and given the time to relate it to that, maybe there's something there. I did like how um, I'm just I I'm just gonna say the the mini Karen uh, part of the <laughs> you know the uh, the cookie the Girl team, the Girl yeah. Scout yeah. cookie team. Um, that was hilarious. It, it was really yeah. funny, and I also appreciated that it wasn't the resolution for that wasn't typical, you know, per, uh, antagonist kind of resolution, yeah. you know. And but still, even as I appreciated that turn, the movie doesn't earn it. Like the movie doesn't get yeah. us there in any satisfying way. It just kind of flips the switch. It's way too quick. Yeah, it, it just, just kind of flips the yeah. oh, switch. Okay. Yeah, it was. So, that's it. So I feel like they, they were just like, oh, we got to get him to Miami. Let's just, yes. it's fine. Yeah. We'll move on. And that, and yeah. that, I think, sums up a lot of the issues we have with this movie, it sounds like, is that there's a lot of great ideas in it just needed another, you know, year in the, the cooker. You know, it just yeah. needed a little more of that story work that really nails down how everything relates and how the, the characters, you know, get through. So, yeah. There's a lot of lassie acting in this one, you know, like... Or we'll hear what uh, Vivo is saying, but then the humans in this movie, they just hear the Kikachu just going, oh, rrr, yeah. rrr, and they're like, what is it, Vivo? Is Timmy in a well? You know, and, like, and they understand exactly what he's trying to say, but... Yeah. Well, that yeah. Got, yeah. also got me wondering where it's like, there's so many moments where Vivo is singing with humans, and I'm just like, what are yeah. they here? <laughs> like, yeah. Like, yeah, they just got Right, yeah. And this is actually another thing I, I really quickly wanted to touch on is that I feel like the movie is really changing about its how it sits in reality, where it's like, mm-hmm. at some points, it's obviously not real. But then in other moments, it decides to take the real like what would actually happen like with the let's say the the draw bit bridge moment mm-hmm. like that was very much like oh well this is what would actually happen but then you then have you know the whole bit in the national mm-hmm. park where you're just like okay yeah. yeah that's never gonna happen so you're just like mm-hmm. pick a lane like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, have some consistency. Totally agree. Mm. Well, there you go. That is Vivo on Netflix and The Suicide Squad on HBO Max and in theaters. Before we head on to our best ever challenge, want to thank our Sif Pop members for making this possible. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Your uh, brand new members only bonus show is in your podcast feed. Uh, we talked about the state of DC filmmaking right now. So, uh, lots of, in fact, I think we talked like 20 minutes about like different ways that DC yeah. could do things and make things more fun. So, if you're interested in that or you just want to support what goes on here, uh, either way, go check out the Patreon. Patreon.com slash Siftpop, S I F T P O P. And uh, and you can check out the different levels there. There's a monthly hangout at a certain level. You've got the bonus podcast at a certain level. Um, all sorts of fun stuff. And, you know, beyond everything else, just thank you for even considering it. It's at patreon.com slash siftpop. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. All right, let's move on to the best ever challenge. As mentioned, Michael Rooker in both of these movies, uh, in about the same amount of a role uh, in both of these movies. Um, yeah. You know, so uh, let's take a look at best ever Michael Rooker movies. Number five, two, number one, and uh, may- <laughs> maybe some honorable mentions at the end if nope. anybody has one. Nope, no, not me either. Nope. I, I can tell you already, I've definitely cheated on this I, already. So. You cheated. I see. Fun yeah. stuff. Um, yeah. yeah, I got into this one too, and I was like, oh, I thought I liked more movies of his than I apparently do. <laughs> He's been in a lot of stuff. I just haven't seen a lot like, of some TV. Of, yeah, and I haven't seen a lot of the B movies and stuff that he's been in, and. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so this this was interesting. Uh, well, I let did... me just say that before yesterday, I'd only seen three movies he'd ever been in. So. Nice. <laughs> and I so I watched re- two last night so that I had five to talk about. This is one of my favorite things, though, honestly, um, is uh, I love the best ever challenge is it does inspire me to watch movies that I need, like either catch up on movies I haven't seen in a long time, like I did with this one. I watched a couple uh, that I hadn't seen in a while. And uh, just to kind of clarify my thoughts on them or watch new ones that I haven't, you know, when we did the Denzel list, like I watched six or seven Denzel movies that week. And I was like, yeah. it's really interesting to watch somebody's filmography, like back to back to back and just kind of uh, get a sense for them as as an actor. So anyhow, yeah, I only managed to pick out five. I was afraid I was going to have to put a bad movie on my top five, but I, I don't think I did. I don't think I had to. I don't. Well, there may be one that a lot of people think is bad, but I love it. So uh, I, it's funny because like I have one movie, my number five, where I'm like, it's an OK movie. The other four <laughs> yeah. I love. Yeah, it's sure. crazy. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's how it works, I guess. 
All right, uh, let's see. I guess I usually start this, and I can do that as well. Uh, I have Eight Men Out at number five. Um, this is a really good movie. This is this is one you should check out if you hadn't. Uh, obviously, it's about the the baseball scandal, and yeah, um, yeah. It's was it it's, the Cubs or the Yankees? I think it was the White Sox. Uh, oh, you're right. It was the Chicago White Sox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was the White Sox. But you've got like Charlie uh, Sheen in here. For those of us who don't know baseball, what's the scandal? <laughs> <laughs> you want to uh, explain it, Aaron? Sure, I can try. I can try. It shouldn't be that I, hard. It's just you know, it's yeah. the idea of shaving points. The idea of you they know, took like a dive. working. Yeah, taking a dive, okay. working with gamblers right. to make sure the result goes in their favor. You know, that kind of stuff. Okay. Taking a dive okay. is a boxing term, but it's the same idea for. Oh yeah. For um. These these cricketers. I think it's kind of universal <laughs> now, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, anyhow, John Cusack, Charlie Sheen, uh, DB Sweeney, Christopher Lloyd, David Strathairn. It's got quite a cast, and, um, and it's really well told and well done. A lot of lot of good emotion in it. So definitely one to check yeah. out. That comes in at my number five. Yeah, I saw uh, the thirty for thirty on this, but I never saw this movie. You should check it out. You should definitely okay. check it out. Uh, cool. All right, Andrew, what's your number five? Uh, this is where I have, speaking of uh, Denzel, Bone Collector. Mm, yeah. I haven't seen this recently enough to know if I think it's good or not. So, I've so never yeah. seen either. it. I always saw it show up on TV, but I was too young to watch it whenever I did. So I, I mean, to- it's 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 a good enough like crime drama to where you won't be mad that you wasted your time watching it, <laughs> but it's not going to like, oh, this is... This is thrilling, you know. You're invested enough to not be bored. Yeah, which is the like worst slash best thing I guess I could say about it. You know, like you have amazing people in this. You have Angelina Jolie and Denzel Washington. It's an interesting premise about a man who is paralyzed, and he was one of the greatest detectives of his time, and now he is using Angelina Jolie as this up-and-coming rookie detective, kind of as a surrogate. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, he puts a camera on her, and he's watching the TV. He's like, now look over here and tell me what you see. He's like... So it's kind of like you have two eyes two sets of eyes on one body looking around to try and solve this uh, serial killer's murder. It's 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 interesting and it's good, but it's not like, whoa. Welcome to the best ever challenge, where this week we mean the <laughs> mediocrest ever challenge. Pretty good. Uh, for for pretty the, the pretty good, good ever challenge. Uh, hey, like I right said, now. my four through one, I love. Yeah, no, no, so. no, no, I totally get it. Um <laughs> You know, it's interesting with The Bone Collector. Uh, this was next on my list of Rooker movies to catch up on, and I just didn't get a chance to rewatch it. It was also the miss the cutoff on the Denzel. It was like the next one on my Denzel list that I was going to watch. So <laughs> yeah. I really feel like I owe this movie a rewatch. Uh, if we ever do an Angelina Jolie <laughs> an Angelina list, Jolie list it'll be the first yeah. one I watch. Like, I just it's, yeah. it's had enough, had enough. Uh, all right. Uh, what about you, Alice? Uh, Yeah, so first I will say that because I watched the two movies that make up my four and five last night, when I submit, like when I made up this list, I immediately put them at four or five. But I will say that one of them I like would have put higher had Mm. I seen it ahead of time, but I'd never seen it before. So I didn't want to just like assume. However, I I still feel like this would still be my number five, which is super. Oh, okay. 
Yeah. Yeah. So basically I went through his, his filmography and I was like, what are movies that I might enjoy? And so <laughs> um, I was considering, because the thing is, I also noticed that a lot of the movies on his filmography, on Michael Rooker's filmography, are movies that I was like, oh, I want to see it. And then the reviews came out and they were like, eh, for example, Brightburn. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I'll watch something else instead. So yeah. Super, basically, if you like Kick-Ass, you'll probably like Super because they're very similar. Mm-hmm. of gore. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, yeah. you, you yeah. don't like gore. <laughs> Aaron, don't watch this movie. No, yeah. Because this no, has I've got all the trigger words. Every trigger yeah. you could ever think of from, you know, violence to rape to like weird tentacle stuff. Like mm-hmm. it's just got everything. And I, I was watching it right before I went to to bed and I was like, mm, this is a this is gonna have some. I'm gonna have some weird dreams tonight, <laughs> and yeah. I did. Um, but oh. it's like it's basically just yeah, Rain Wilson, whose wife leaves him for a drug dealer, and he decides to become a superhero to like save her. But he's also like low key crazy. And then you've got Elliot Page um, as his sidekick, uh, and you know they're just ve- characters that are you know you can tell that there's a screw loose in both of their heads, but. You're kind of like, well, I guess to be a superhero, maybe you would have to have a few screws loose. So, yeah, but yes, very gory, very violent, very horrific. Don't know if I'll ever watch it again. But if you like Kick-Ass, you'll probably like this one. This came out the same year as a Woody Harrelson movie called Defendor. Which, I don't know if either of you guys have seen it or not. I don't think so. never heard of it. I don't think so. Was leagues above this one leagues Mm. above this one actually like if i were to uh if we were to ever do like a a best superhero or vigilante movie not based like a like marvel or dc or image or any of the Mm. big comic books because i don't think it's actually based i could be wrong it could be based on comic book but like watching that one it hits so many interesting notes like where the end of this movie, I actually got really emotional. So whenever like somebody mentions Super, uh, I get like, excited. I'm like, "Ooh, are they talking about Defend?" Oh no, they're not. They're talking about the Rain Wilson one. So yeah. like, I get a, it's like a quick roller coaster of like, oh, oh. so mm-hmm. so that's why I didn't put it on my list. But uh, yeah, it's 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 violent. Yep, oh, Michael and, uh, yeah, and Aaron, if if. If you think that James Gunn needed to be held back in in Suicide Squad, this is a James Gunn movie as well, and uh, yeah, he did yeah. not hold back. But it also no. has Nathan Fillion in it, so you know. I hey, don't know. there you go. I don't know if yeah. that helps. Uh, all right, let's move on to our number fours. Yeah. Uh, my number four is JFK. I have at number Trump. four. I figured you might. I've never I seen figured it. you might. Um, all right, I wanted to, f- but I was like. It's three hours, and then I didn't watch it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Andrew, uh, what is your number four? Believe it or not, this is where I have Tombstone. Okay, I'll go ahead and trump that. I'll return I'll okay. return Trump fire on that one. Yeah. Um, well, Aaron trumps a Western on me. <laughs> what? <laughs> what, is, what? what is going on? Uh, what about you, Alice? What do you have at number four? Um, this might get trumped, Mississippi Burning. Yeah, I'm going to trump you. <laughs> Yeah, this is the one uh, I, that would definitely have been higher if I'd seen it before. Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. I have either not seen this or not seen it in so long I don't remember it. So it's not on my Ooh. list, but um, but I, I, sh- I should probably watch yeah. or rewatch it depending. Um, yeah. So, but that's trumped. So I guess we're on to our number number threes. threes. 
Mm-hmm. I'll yep. be su- I'll be surprised if I'm trumped on this one. This is the one on my list that uh, some may qualify as a bad movie, but I have a, a soft place in my heart for it. This is where I have Cliffhanger. Um, this movie. <laughs> I was saying it. <laughs> I love Cliffhanger. It's, it is. It's, it's so. It's a dumb. Fun. Great. It's a great dumb movie. Yeah. No, I think you're speaking right. Of, speaking of sly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sylvester Stallone. Um, that first scene is so iconic, you know. It's great. Yeah, it's yeah. really well done. Um, so I don't know. I guess it's it's the first scene, so it's not really spoilers. But this is a this is a movie about regret, about the idea of you know not being able to save one life and how that impacts the rest of your life. And um, it's also a movie about uh, mountain climbing ish. Um, you know, and I mean, there's mountain climbing in it. <laughs> there, it's it's a movie about John Lithgow and his hatred of rabbits. Like it's you know, it's got everything uh, you want in a good uh, action movie. Lithgow is chewing scenery in this movie. Man, he is having so much fun. This is the first time I saw Lithgow outside of Third Rock from the Sun, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Who is this guy? He's horrifying." <laughs> and then I saw him in Dexter, and I'm like, "Oh, so this guy can is just a straight up villain if he wants to be." Yeah, yeah, so. totally. Anyhow, check Cliffhanger out if you haven't. It is big, dumb, fun. action, fun. Um, so yeah, there you go. That's my number three. What about you, Andrew? My number three, uh, it'll get Trump, but I'm going to put Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, I'll Trump, Trump that. Yeah. Uh, what is your number three, Alice? Uh, recent one. Um, and now we're getting into the movies I'd seen before yesterday. Uh, <laughs> Love and Monsters. Yeah, I haven't gotten a chance to see this yet. It's on my list, but yeah. um, but it's not streaming anywhere yet. So, yeah. Isn't is it? Oh, it's on it's Netflix. It's a new movie? Here. Yeah. Yeah, it just came out. It was actually nominated for Best Visual Effects at the Oscars this mm-hmm, year. It was. Got an Oscar um, nomination. Yeah. No. Yeah, and that's why I saw it. <laughs> so thank you, Oscars. Otherwise, I would have had two movies of Michael Rooker's yeah. I've seen. Um, and I'm sure we can guess which ones they were. Um, but no, this is a, a fun movie. It's basically about a guy who it lives in a post-apocalyptic world where like these alien creatures, well, they're not aliens. They're just like monster, mutant animal monster things have taken over and he decides to go on a quest across the country to reunite with his ex-girlfriend and have someone because he's been well he's been living a, a fine life with friends he 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 doesn't have a couple and he's feeling like a third wheel and so he decides to to uh, fix that but it is just it's a really fun adventure movie you know there's a dog who's like way smarter than any dog will ever be and it's got like obviously really good visual effects like the care that went into the creation of these monsters are just fantastic like it really elevates the entire movie um michael rooker comes in as this like half of this like two uh, i'd say like pair up between him and a little girl kind of like father son relation uh, father daughter relationship sort of thing um just to show up and then leave later on but he he adds a little bit of comedy a little bit of fun to it and yeah i would say it's you know really fun movie to watch for sure nothing special but definitely nothing um you know offensive or anything like that like i had a good time and i'll probably watch it again sometime in my life for sure mm-hmm if you were to take a screenshot from this movie of Dylan O'Brien and you were to ask me if it was a scene from this or Maze Runner, I don't know if I could tell you which one it was from. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Very similar in sensibility for sure. But this one's a bit yeah. more like less depressing in everything it does. <laughs> nice. Ironically. Okay. Love and Monsters. Uh, all right. That brings us to our number twos. 
Um, yep. This is where I have Tombstone. Uh, so I had it at number two. Andrew, you had it at number four, I think. Uh, I yep. just re- I rewatched this. I hadn't seen it in a long time. I remember enjoying it. Um, this is just like high quality pulpy fun. Like there's this this movie understands um, like chemistry and uh, you know uh, filmmaking with a large group. Like it, it totally gets the idea of how all of these characters relate to each other. Um, plus you've got some great performances. Uh, oh, Val. Yeah, Val Kilmer is awesome in this. Um, so yeah, I just it, it's it's a movie that stuck with me, and I could never tell if it was just my nostalgia or not. And I think it's more than that. I think this movie is really well done, and uh, and tells an interesting story in an interesting way. And yes, I'm not a westerns person, um, but there is there is something about it's like it's the most big like summer blockbustery western ever in my opinion like you know like there's yeah. just an element Django? of like but Django's, no, yeah, I think it, even, Django's a different animal and i think a blockbuster has to be accessible to like even yes, a this, little bit of a younger audience you know yeah and this, Django is definitely not <laughs> right like this is this is what more, do you mean no. <laughs> this is more you know back to the future than it is you know hmm. Django unchained like you know what i mean like there's mm. there's there's an element of like um, quirky lot, like uh, catchphrases, and you know, I'm your Huckleberry, yeah. or I'm you know, what, Huckleberry. or whatever it might be. Um, yeah. You tell him I'm coming, and I'm bringing hell coming. with me, yeah, or whatever. It, like you know, it's got those yeah. like those big blockbustery moments to it, and and yeah, everybody's just kind of having fun together, and and it's based on true stuff too, which is always kind of fun and yeah. interesting. So yeah. um, the OK Corral. Yeah, the shootout yeah. at the OK Corral. So, uh, anyhow, Tombstone uh, probably went up my list a few notches from re- rewatching it. I think it. Uh, I think it holds up. Now, how much of that yeah. might be nostalgia? I have no idea. I am human, but no. um, but I did have no, a good time I, with it. This is in my top like westerns of all times, and it's because of the the star power behind it. I mean, mm-hmm. if you were to look at this cast list, you're like, oh my gosh, everybody who was a BA in a movie ever is mm-hmm. in this movie. Yeah. Powers Booth, Michael Bean, Val Kilmer, Kurt Russell. Michael uh, Rooker. Michael Rooker. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Rooker. Uh, yeah, you have all of these amazing people with their amazing catchphrases. And if, uh, well, and then once you think you're done, Charlton, Hes- Charlton Heston shows up. You know what I mean? Like, it just never stops. Yeah. Like, there's like, you know, it's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Uh, actually, I learned through a lot of like uh, research and stuff. A lot of those cheesy catchphrases and stuff are things that they actually said, or things that Wyatt Earp really? and Doc Holliday actually said. Like the "I'm coming and hell's coming with me" thing. Apparently, that's something that Wyatt Earp actually said. I, I don't know if about that. Like, I'm your. Yeah. I wonder if that's like spoken history. You know what I mean? Like it maybe ha- yeah. like you know how history happened. You know, yeah. but it's something that they yeah. are said to have said. Um, yeah, exactly. Let, let me just um, let, let me just go through since, since Andrew mentioned it. I'm just going to go through the cast for you. Who's in this movie? All right, Val Kilmer, Sam Elliott, Kurt Russell, Sam Elliott, Sam Elliott Bill Paxton, uh, Powers Booth. You mentioned Stephen yeah. Lang, Charlton Heston. We mentioned Michael Rooker, of course. Jason Priestley shows up in this movie. Of all, Billy people. Bob Thornton. Billy Bob Thornton, like it. Billy Zane. 
Like, I mean, it's just... Oh, I forgot Billy Zane was in this movie. Um, oh, I should also <laughs> I mention... I need to check this out. I should mention Terry O'Quinn, Locke from Lost, yes. shows up. Yeah. Like, um, it's just person after person. You're like, they're in this? They're in this? Um, and then uh, Robert Mitchum does, like, the voiceover. You know what I mean? Like, it's just... Yeah. It's it's pretty impressive. Uh, it is know, one of my favorite because. westerns of all time. It's in my yeah. top ten for sure. There you go. And uh, and you know me, that's high praise for a Western. Yeah, you love, if it's you in love my those top Westerns. Uh, yeah. What is your number two, Andrew? Me? Yeah, I think so. This is where I have Mississippi Burning. Okay. Um, actually, uh, whenever uh, <clears throat> our, our quarantine first started off, Aaron and I were doing uh, movies that were on our uh, list of shame. That That's what we would do. We would like each mm-hmm. pick a movie on our list of shame, and the one that I got picked for me was Mississippi Burning. And it's one of those movies, like, after watching, you're like, whew, that was rough. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to need time to process that one. <laughs> yeah. Because so much happens in it, and so much of it is real. Uh, and when I say uh, so much of it is real, I mean, there's there's segments of the movie where uh, they, like, fake a camera crew coming to this town in mm. Mississippi to, like, interview the locals and stuff. The people that they interviewed were actual people, you know, who lived in the area. And what they said, racist or not, was genuinely how they felt. And you can feel that born and bred ignorance and hatred. And it just makes you, it makes your skin crawl. You're like, oh my gosh, like that, that ups the realism element of this movie Mm. to a whole new level. Not even putting aside, (laughs) um, Gene Hackman and Willem Dafoe, who are just, they're on the same team, but they're tit for tat going back at each other. They're different styles of how to take care of business here. is so good. Neither one of these guys wants to give up ground. And on top of that, you have Michael Rooker and this whole town. It's such a horrifying but important movie that I highly recommend everybody watch this one for sure. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, what were yeah, your thoughts, th- Alice? Well, like I said, I went through and I was like, oh, I've never heard of this movie. Looks interesting. <laughs> I don't know how. It had, like, missed me. But I was like, oh, it looks interesting. So I, I was like, oh, two hours. Yeah, okay. Put it in. Um, I will also say, did this as a double feature with Super. Very strange night. <laughs> that's that's um, a weird double feature. I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, like, oh, my. I can't believe I'd never heard of this movie. Like, it just missed me. I don't know. Obviously, it came out, like, before I was born and everything. But the fact that, A, it was nominated for, like, all the Oscars, and it is, you know, should be as known as many of the movies I know before I was born, but I just didn't. And I think it is partly because it is so difficult to to watch. Like, I was just horrified by so much of it. But then I was also horrified by the fact that a lot of what they're talking about, obviously not as overtly, but a lot of what's portrayed is still issues we're having to deal with today. Mm. And and it's still relevant to today. And I'm just like, this sucks. Like, <laughs> and, and, you know, and, oh, but everyone in it is so good. Gene Hackman and Will, Willem Dafoe. It's, I have to say, something I find really interesting is at the beginning of the movie, I was much more on board with Willem Dafoe's sensibilities in terms of like character motivations and everything. I was like, yeah, Willem Dafoe. But then as the movie continues- You get worn down. You get worn down and you become Gene Hackman into that like whatever it takes sort of situation because you're like, oh my gosh, you just can't go by the book. You just can't. And then obviously the rest of the movie happens and you're just like, 
Yeah, by the, I was, I, I told my partner afterwards because he also, he was making dinner and he could just see it on the TV and he was just like, oh my gosh. And I was just like, that <laughs> yeah. was amazing. And I don't know if I'll ever watch it again. <laughs> like, it was just so depressing and awful. And, you know, for, all that aside, Frances McDormand's in it as well. And I was like, yeah. oh, hello. Not like I've seen you before. Because I know her in movies <laughs> like Nomadland and, you know, Three Billboards yeah. Outside um, Missouri and stuff. So she, this is a very different role for me to see her in. But um, very well made. Like, honestly, if, if I'd seen this beforehand, this would have probably maybe even been my number one. Like, it was just so well done and just engaging, horrifying, but engaging. And just, yeah, if you haven't seen it highly recommend that you check it out maybe have a comedy lined up afterwards not like super <laughs> comedy i mean like pixar comedy <laughs> yeah. something light yes yeah a little light watching this one's gonna stick with you for a while yeah mm-hmm. yeah and unfortunately michael rooker was well very well cast in this like he i yeah. believe that he's that character the southern the southern drawl that he has you know it yeah. lends itself to that particular stereotypical version of that person it's got to be so hard as an actor to just (laughs) that that part of like i have i'm i'm gonna be really good at this and Mm -hmm. people are going to hate me um there's almost like you have to have a part of you that's like that hears i hate you as you're amazing at your job like you just just have to be able to like translate it that way or something but thank god like guardians came along and he got some levity (laughs) to a character you know yeah he's mary poppins y'all uh (laughs) so that i think brings us to our number ones um and mine is guardians of the galaxy i haven't said my number two yet oh i'm sorry that's right i was thinking that was your number two go ahead what is your number two well, okay, we can just move on to number ones because this is definitely a cheat. I put Guardians of the Ga- Galaxy Volume Two because, but oh, I have the, I the other. I see one. what you in, did. Yeah, we in uh, general we try to keep you know like one from the same you know. Yeah, um, but that's fair. I totally get it. But I whenever limited, you haven't I'd seen only, enough movies, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll accept it. It's fine. I'd only yeah. seen three, not even movies, three things he'd been in, unless you count like episodes of Criminal Minds. So I right. couldn't count those. Right. So you know, I thought I was maybe limited. you were going to cheat by like including like Walking Dead or something like that, or you know, no, yeah. no, yeah. not that far. Just it is a movie that he's in, and it's yeah. I enjoy it. And my number two You're is right. just I enjoy the first one more. But yeah, really briefly. Like you said, he's Mary Poppins, y'all. He definitely gets way more to do in this one than he does in the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, and it expands his character and makes it m- way better, in my opinion. And I think this movie is compared to the first one a lot. And so, therefore, a lot of people see it as lesser. But I still had a lot of fun. I still have a lot of fun. I think it's just like the poster. Very colourful, very, you know, insane and fun. And Kurt Russell's fun. Like, it's just exactly what... I wanted mm-hmm. in a Guardian sequel, you know? So, yep. yeah. Yeah. Uh, Guardians is my number one. Um, Me too. <laughs> and I assume it is Alice's as well. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, Andrew, you had it at number three, three. I think. Yeah. Three. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, listen, there are so many similarities. This is going to sound weird, but there are so many similarities to this in, in the Suicide Squad. Like, Gunn is doing very similar things in these movies in taking Just a PG-13 really version. <laughs> yeah. Weird, ex- well, surprise, surprise, why I like it more. Um, yeah, no, it's, it, it is. It's, it's the Suicide Squad with some dampeners put on of, you know, some of those, you know, extreme tendencies or whatever. But, 
Um, but you've still got the weird characters here, the great humor, the great team-up stuff. Um, it's technically proficient. You understand motivations and story. Um, I think in some ways, James Gunn had the most difficult job of any of the Marvel movies. I think, I think I'm going to stay with that. Um, I, w- I was going to add some I caveats. But I, I just this should never have worked. This, this is completely different than the rest of Marvel had been leading up to it as far as where it's located, what it's dealing with. Um, it isn't, you know, a character from Earth, but it does not take place on Earth for the most part. Um, so, yeah, I think he had high, high, high level of, dif- of difficulty, and I think he just nails it, hits it out of the park. Uh, continues to be one of my favorite MCU movies. So, um, yeah, I really, really dig Guardians of the Galaxy. And to be honest, can I be honest? I, I miss I miss older Groot. I can't wait to get older Groot Me back. Too. I know everybody loves baby Groot but and teenage Groot, but I'm just like... Uh, adult Groot was awesome, and you know. So anyhow, that's that's neither here nor there. But uh, but I really like this movie. It's perfect in many ways. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I I agree. I think that also part of why it was so difficult, like why he had in terms of for that movie in the MCU, is the fact that none of these characters, like we hadn't seen them before. He didn't have the origin stories to fall back on in terms of understanding who these people are. So he had to introduce all these new characters, uh, have us understand who they are, what their sensibilities are, what their motivations are, and then have them go into a team up and have it believable that they would be a team at the end of the movie. So there was a lot of stuff he had to get through in, you know, two hours, mm-hmm. but it is so well done. I will say, yes, obviously it's really funny. The music's really great. All the stuff that everyone knows, but like, Part of the reason I really like this movie is the emotional moments. Like, they're very powerful. And that, it has one of my favorite scenes in the entire MCU. I could watch that on a loop. In fact, I have. Um, I'll say the the scene with the Power Stone when, you know, Peter, uh, you know, spoilers if you haven't seen it, but it's very old <laughs> by this point. But when Quill grabs the Power Stone and he starts, you know, decaying and then you know Gamora's like take my hand and he sees his mum and you got the music oh, so good. and the visual effects and then you see, see all one of, of the them. characters sees their mom in this movie like I mean it's just like the Suicide Squad so <laughs> exactly um, not quite the same way what I don't but, understand <laughs> but like yeah and then you know you see like Drax grab the shoulder and then you see Rocket's hand go up and grab him and then you mm-hmm. have the big and you have them like all and then he's like because we're at the Guardians of the Galaxy Boop. I won't say because I know when I went to swear on the show mm-hmm. but like when he says it and then he like uh-huh. you know destroys oh it's just it's so good I just love that scene so much and it makes yeah. me the bit where he sees his mom makes me cry every time yeah it's a good movie it is it's really good uh, all right, Andrew, what do you have at number one? This is where I have JFK. And there yeah. might be a little bit of recency bias because whenever you uh, posted uh, the uh, Best Ever Challenge for this week, I'm like, I guess I'll finally watch JFK. So I only watched it within the last week. <laughs> oh, okay, um, cool. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> it is quite a movie. Um, it is quite a movie. Yeah, yeah. It is not what I expected. Honestly, I had no uh knowledge going into this about the movie, obviously. I know eleven twenty two sixty three that everybody knows the story of JFK being assassinated. I thought that uh going into this, I thought Costner was gonna play a JFK. I thought that it was gonna be like a a JFK biofilm. Mm-hmm. 
leading up to the time in Dallas. But no, no, nope. uh, JFK gets shot right in the beginning of this movie, and you're like, oh, okay, so is it going to be a flashback? And then you see Kevin Costner's not playing. I'm like, what is this movie? And then it turns into this crazy movie, all based on true story, by the way. Uh, Jim, is it Jim Garrison, I think is the guy's name, who uh, actually mm-hmm. is Costner's portraying, who is right. the DA of New Orleans. Um, he goes down this rabbit hole to where by the end of this movie, I don't know what's true anymore. I don't know if Lee Harvey Oswald was the one who shot Kennedy or not, because the amount of stuff that this uh, movie brings to light and the stuff that was, I know a lot of it's dramatized, you know, because above all else, it is a movie, but I think Oliver Stone is one of those directors who puts truth above entertainment. Um, He's a bit of a conspiracy theorist himself, though. He is a bit of a conspiracy theorist, but... There, there's enough in this movie to where I'm like, you know what? That really doesn't add up. A lot of this stuff that I've been told my whole life about, I'm not saying that I'm 100% percent sure. convinced that no, Oswald was a patsy or anything, but like, I'm questioning stuff now, man. Sure. I'm questioning stuff. There is a scene in this movie. Donald Sutherland talks for 15 minutes straight, uninterrupted, and it's one of the most fascinating like moments of the movie it's kind of the it's the deep throat mo as it's not deep throat obviously but you know it's that is that spy who you you can't name so you just give them a pseudonym mm-hmm. and yeah. I, I think it was x in this movie but uh, it's it's the deep throat personification of like a super top secret military government uh personnel dropping or spilling the beans to somebody you know and it's him talking I think I think they timed it. It was something like 16 and a half minutes he's talking straight. And I'm just like, "Whoa. It, talk about a monologue. You know, that is an incredibly long time, but I was hooked from the beginning of him talking to the end. And this movie ends with an emotional speech by Costner that just makes me like you feel the emotion in this speech. In, in this movie, Tommy Lee Jones, mm-hmm. uh, rightfully nominated for an Academy Award for Supporting Actor, because this is a performance from him, like the likes of which I'd never seen before. It's a great, great movie. I love it. Yeah, yeah, uh, I agree. Uh, I, this is the reading the cast episode of Sif Pop, but like Kevin Costner, Gary Oldman, Jack Lemon, Ed Asner, Kevin Bacon, Walter Matthau. Uh, yeah. You mentioned Tommy Lee Jones, Sissy Spacek, Joe Pesci, Vincent D'Onofrio. Um, you know, like it's Ooh. just, it's just like it keeps on going. John Candy, uh, John Brian Candy's Doyle Murray, in this too. Yeah, uh, Wayne Knight shows up in this movie. Um, it's just <laughs> Michael like Michael Rooker and Michael Rooker. Uh, so yeah, it's just it's one every of those single movies. time I see Wayne Knight, I'm like, hello, Newman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't think you can help it. Yeah, it's uh it is one of those movies that um that yeah, it, it will have you questioning what really happened. Um and uh yeah. and that's okay cuz none of us it's were on there. My list. We don't know. But and it is it's hours. an undertaking. It's 3 it's <laughs> yeah. over 3 hours long. And I'll honestly, be honest, this like, was one of the ones I was most interested in when I went through his filmography, but it was just like I didn't it was like in that time I could watch both of these other movies. So. <laughs> You're not wrong. No. You are 100% not wrong. understand. You're not wrong. And honestly, if it wasn't for this uh, uh this challenge, I would have put it off even further because it is such an undertaking. 
Yeah. You know? Yeah. But mm-hmm. after watching it, I'm so glad that I did. I'm so yeah, glad. Yeah, I that think I did. with this stuff, you just kind of have to go, would I watch a three episode miniseries on this? And the answer yeah. is usually yes. So just kind of treat mm-hmm. it in your mind like, you know, three hour long episodes of a miniseries that's going to be starring the best actors of their time. And, and then, yeah, then the three hours doesn't seem so daunting. Uh, at least that's how that, at least that's how my brain works for yeah, some reason. Yeah. So, I normally yeah. don't mind really long movies. Like I, I genuinely don't. It's just more so finding the time. I was like, right. I know I need to have at right. least five movies on this right. list, and so <laughs> yeah. But it's definitely one that I I want to see. Yeah. Well, also the way that Stone shoots this movie because he does it in a way to where he gets really close to the actors. And like, sometimes he'll even like get so close to where all you see is their mouth. And it feels like you're getting let in on a secret, you know, it feels like, Oh, you're not supposed to know this. But then they also do those, (laughs) those like five FPS black and white flashbacks, you know, of like, Mm -hmm. uh, this is how it could have possibly happened while they're, and then it'll cut back to the whisper, 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 this is how it happened. And Mm -hmm. you're like, oh my gosh, is this how it happened? I can't believe this. But uh, at the end of the day, it's just a fascinating, fascinating story. Back into the left. Back to the left. To the left. Um, Yeah, uh, speaking of uh, things that go on and on and on, uh, this Megapod continues... Because uh, none of us had honorable mentions in this one. Nah. We, we, we no. barely got our five out. Yeah, okay, there we go. Yeah. Uh, so let's go on to our buried treasure, and we will finish out with this. And Alice, you are the guest, so you get to close things out. Um, Andrew, why don't you start us off this time? What's your buried treasure this week? I've got a book for everybody that I would highly what? recommend. To finally... A book? Book, Yes. <laughs> Jurassic Park. Ooh, I like it. I finally got around to reading the book. I've actually read this book. That's a, it's a, I did not expect that. Yeah. I cannot believe how different <clears throat> the book is from the movie. It is so different. It's great, like, though, right? It's mm-hmm. so good. Honestly, if they were to do like a true adaptation, like a, like a miniseries of this book... That like didn't have anything to do with the movies, and like they made it like this movie or this book, I should say. Sorry, <laughs> it's so good. It's like a movie. It's, it is so good because because you you get so invested, you just can't put it down. But it's one of those where like, oh, Jurassic Park was supposed to be a horror movie, like a dark, rated mm-hmm. R, deeply disturbing horror movie. Like I had no, like I heard, I'd heard there were differences. Like I'd heard John Hammond as the villain, you know, and stuff like that. Like John Hammond in the movie is like this Icarus old man who just wanted to bring some magic into the world. That's not this John Hammond in the book. No, um, Alan Grant. Like the characters are so different from who they are in the movie. Now Alan you know Grant, who the real Muldoon is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The real Muldoon's. Super cool, and he he can he can do stuff besides yeah. a clever girl. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, like Alan Grant is like this old grizz, grizzly looking man who loves kids. He thinks they're fun, and I'm like, that's not the Alan Grant I know. And Ellie is like his student. 
she's like 20 years old and he's like 45 and i'm like oh okay so that's different they're not together it's just there's it's his student um i saw i saw <laughs> I was just like oh that's not right but no 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 <laughs> i was like oh no, I'm no glad they're not they together that. okay and good. the kids good. the kids are different too uh like uh the boy uh, i forget his name uh timmy timmy timmy's like 10 years old and lexi the the girl is six mm-hmm. he's the older brother and she is just this little kid who he has to try and take around jurassic parking the there are more dinosaurs there are more like attacks in the book it's crazy I loved every minute of it. Yeah, it's so I good. I want to see. I want to see the true adaptation of Jurassic Park, like just a standalone. Don't do Lost World. Don't do Jurassic uh, World or anything like that. Just do this, like mm-hmm. a standalone, true adaptation. I think it would be fascinating and terrifying. Even now, I saw Jurassic Park when I was way too young, uh, ninety three. <laughs> I think it was n- nine or somewhere around there. Uh, and I still went to see it, and uh, yeah, scared the crap out of me, but it it uh, got my love of dinosaurs going. I think if they adapted this now for screen, I would still get scared. Yeah, <laughs> it's way way different. And way I think you're right. Terrifying. I I I think I think they could. I think they could do a miniseries based on the book, mm. and it would feel so much different than the movie that they could get away with it. Um, yeah. Uh, there might be a revolt. Like people might be like, "Why are you trying to, you know, remake one of the most amazing movies?" But then I think you've got a real easy. It, I know I think you've got a real easy argument against that and say, "No, we're not. We're not remaking Jurassic Park. We are doing a different spin on the book. A more, you know, mm, that yeah. sticks closer to the book." So, yeah, I'd never thought of that, Andrew. That's I. I actually really like that idea. Um, yeah. So I don't think I don't I'm think intrigued. it'll happen. You know, they're obviously oh, no. trying to do the Jurassic World thing. I don't think Universal is interested in like a TV miniseries or something like that. But, but yeah. boy, I bet it could work. Um, okay, I will go next. Uh, I watched the uh, documentary on Prime called Val. Um, this is the documentary about Val mm. Kilmer, um, created and produced by Val Kilmer. Um, and it is. I, I am surprised about how moved I was by this. If you had asked me <clears throat> before this podcast, if you had told me, Aaron, you're going to get emotional and cry during this podcast, I would have guaranteed you it would have been talking about Val and not the Suicide Squad. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, that thing I was talking about, about uh, movies being about empathy, that's what I really felt during this documentary because he... Lots of times with documentaries, you will hear people say, and I tend to agree, that the filmmakers make themselves too much part of the documentaries these days. Like, they're, what they think about the subject, what their take is on it becomes kind of the central focus as opposed to exploring the truth of whatever they're, they're talking about. The difference yeah. here is this is a movie, he, it, is, it is autobiographical, right? Like, this is him telling his own story. And I found that beautiful because I kind of wish we all could do this where we all got to say, here is a you know a, a ninety minute to two hour documentary about my life. This is my narrative. This is how I saw my life. I think that's beautiful, and it gives you this chance to really see people's own vision of themselves and who they are and what that means. Does that mean it's one sided? Sure, probably. Yeah, it's very I was biased. Say. You know, obviously, but but it's still beautiful because you get to see this is how Val Kilmer saw himself, right? 
um, and or sees himself, I should say. I'm, I'm kind of unfortunately speaking like he's gone. He is not. Um, you know, this is how he sees himself. And I learned a lot. And beyond that, I felt like I really got to experience this human being and their, you know, pathos through their life and kind of, you know, what they've experienced. The stuff that he talks about also, if you're a movie lover, will be really interesting. He shot, he had a video camera with him for most of his life. So there's like behind the scenes stuff you've never seen from like all his movies. Top Gun, um, I mean, Tombstone, uh, you know, a Ghost in the Darkness. There's some really interesting Batman. Yeah, Batman. The Batman part of this is really interesting too. So I, it's is a high recommend for me. I learned a lot. I, I uh, felt like I, I experienced, you know, Val Kilmer's, um, you know, narrative how he tells his own story in a really positive way that helped me to identify with him. And I did. I cried a couple times in this, not necessarily because the movie was that um, surface level emotional. I just had those moments where I was like, this is what filmmaking is like. This is, you know, this is the ability for us to tell our stories and he's telling his story. And I just, I don't know. I found it really, really beautiful and it allowed me to connect to, you know, my favorite part of filmmaking, which is again, the empathy being able to put your, you know, yourself in somebody else's world and somebody else's shoes. Um, high recommend for me. It is on prime. It's uh, it's called Val. All right. All right. Alice, finish us off. Yeah. So I, uh, this week, saw the end of the new Apple TV uh, Plus show, Physical, um, and can recommend it. So I went in, I was just kind of like, when I first saw it um, pop up on my screen, I was like, yeah, it looks interesting. I like Rose Byrne, Aussie represent, you know, I'm always, I'm always there for, um, you know, Aussie stars doing good. And then (laughs) I saw this and I thought this was going to be just like, maybe like a bit of a comedy, maybe a bit of a, you know, slice of life sort of thing. It's really not. So just to give you guys an idea of what's about, uh, Rose Byrne plays Sheila, who is a woman in uh, California, like the Californian suburbs. And she's like grossly unhappy with her life. Um, But not because of anything, you know, it'd be really easy to have her have just like a traditionally horrible husband or, you know, people constantly, you know, putting her down or a bad situation. Like she's living a perfectly fine life. Her husband's not great, but he's not a bad person necessarily. Um, Her life isn't bad, but it's mostly to do with the fact that she has this internal voice, if you will, that is constantly weighing her down. And as a result, she has this uh, routine of binge, you know, binge purging where she will like when she can't handle things, she'll drive into a fast food um, like store, buy three burgers, book a motel room, eat them all, per- like get naked, eat them all, purge them all up, shower and then go on with her day. And bulimic. so, yeah, yeah, very bulimic. Yeah. And so um, but it's only in like spouts it's it's very interesting Mm -hmm. and then she discovers she's at the mall one day and she discovers this like aerobic studio and it helps her kind of become more uh, more whole and then you're watching like you're watching her on this show as she journeys you know her husband goes up for local election you see her become more of herself become more confident in who she is make relationships finally make connections and it's a really interesting exploration into mental illness and self-harm but not in the traditional ways of like you know that you've seen normally on tv or um you know or or movies and it's uncomfortable like after a while you get 
it's overbearing to hear her voice talk to her in the way that she does but it's like that's how it is like once you lean into it it's just and Rose Byrne is just fantastic like absolutely fantastic in this show it is worth watching just for her performance but it is just a really interesting look into this time in the 80s when aerobics was starting to become a thing but then you know on the background of this this housewife essentially who's trying finally finding who she is and and showing that you know just because your life isn't horrible like traditionally doesn't mean that you are happy and that's okay and it's just yeah i really recommend every episode's only like 30 minutes there's only you know 10 episodes so it's not very long um yeah can recommend if that's something that interests you for sure i'm very excited this is going to be a season 2 as well Nice. Uh, Apple TV Plus. Mm. I'm going to add it to the list of all the other Apple shows I'm watching right now. So <laughs> I was going to say they're yeah. quiet. They're quietly amassing a pretty decent, like uh, you mm. know, bunch of shows. Um, yeah. You know, I'm into Ted, Ted Lasso. Lasso. Is so good. Yeah. Schmigadoon's I'm into, hilarious. I'm into, <laughs> into Schmigadoon. Yeah, definitely. The, I know the Joseph Gordon-Levitt one just launched. I'm curious about yeah. that. Um, Mythic Quest. Mythic Quest. Oh is yeah, fun. Mythic Quest. Yeah, C's coming back for a season two. Which yeah, morning I love show. C, yeah. Morning shows coming morning back. Morning show, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's interesting. Yeah, Apple. I yeah. It's, I didn't think they'd be a player, but they're mm. they're definitely at least putting together some quality content. Um, yeah, in my opinion. So. And they well, there you go. Too like Wolfwalkers and you know Greyhound. Like sure. Yeah. Yeah. Wolfwalkers oh, yeah. is gorgeous. Yeah, that's that's a beautiful. I need movie. to watch that still. Uh, so Jurassic Park is a book available at your, uh, uh well, I was going to say at your local bookstore, if you still have one of those, um, or <laughs> you, you could audible, or go you to could audible go, and get the audio. There you go. There, you, there go. you go. Uh, Val is on Amazon prime and physical is on Apple TV plus. Uh, we did it guys. We did a podcast. Woo! We Woo! set out to accomplish it. It took us longer than usual, but we managed to get it done. Well done. <laughs> to us and um, and thanks so much for joining us today sip pop is part of the studio dna podcast network you can find out more about other shows on the network at studiodna.media or by searching studio dna in your podcast player huge thanks to andrew for hanging out again today thank you buddy uh big thanks to producer phil for producing the audio and video show thank you phil oh we're reverting Thank yep. you to Drew for putting together visuals for the show. Uh, and thank you to Alice for coming and hanging out with us once again. Uh, always Woo! great to have you on. Uh, go ahead and tell people where they can find you. Anything you want to promote. Uh, now is your time. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, Ali G. Mick uh, on M-I-C-H. Not, not, so, Mitch, if you want to pronounce it how it's spelled. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, that's on Instagram and Letterboxd. You can find me. I'm also a writer at SifPop.com. Uh, my new one-stop pop where I recommend media based on a popular TV show or movies about to drop for last month, which is based on Loki. So if you liked Loki, check out the article. Um, And then, as I say always, doing the MCU rewatch with my friends. You can find that at once upon a marathon with a dot in between each word um, on Instagram. And we have just entered phase three, which means we're coming up to the big one, boys. It's going to be good. We are very excited. (laughs) Yeah. Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yeah. Can't wait. (laughs) Exactly what I was talking about. (laughs) Uh, Thank you also to our SIFBOT members for giving monthly to make if pop a real thing support starts at three dollars a month you can check out all the information at patreon.com 
slash Sif Pop. Lots of fun stuff there. Also, you can connect with the podcast by leaving a comment, a rating, or a review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And if you've got a question for us, uh, you can, or even a comment, you can send that uh, by email. That still exists. Feedback at SifPop.com if you want to let us know. And finally, if you're having a good time, your movie-loving friends will probably like the show, too, so make sure you let them know about it and that listening is much easier than rowing a homemade trash boat through the Florida Keys. Uh, we will be back next I'm week. It's not that hard. <laughs> uh, with Free Guy and Respect, a um, couple anticipated films. Um, we will see you then. Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading to the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now, but I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.